sound check the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at such michigan life my name is andrew mullen i'm always as always i'm joined by my co-host michael livingston and today we also have a very special guest yes. uh would you like to announce let yourself? me let me let me give him an introduction this man has uh created and produced the music for this show that you hear every episode and is a good friend of the show he was on our 60s garage psychedelic episode you know him and you love him What's Ben Ackley yeah hey, Ben Ackley happy and to be back apparently also a skeleton that's just sitting at the corner staring <laughs> at us yeah we got a skeleton in the room too because you know it's going to be a spooky episode oh. we were just looking at the pitchfork top 200 list <laughs> yeah we were just complaining just about garbage that it is. but Wait. anyway oh my god um follow us on social media at s check official um follow me Still at michael c live uh What's your Twitter, Andrew? Hi, Andrew Mullen4. You want to plug your social, Ben? Uh, just follow me on Instagram at Backley13. Backley13. Don't you have a SoundCloud, too? My SoundCloud is garbage. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I saw the Loveland song. We all, we all listen to that. Essentially, you just said, sample float on. Yeah, I have, I have SoundCloud rap, but mm-hmm. I mostly focus on the punk rock on Ben is, ben is truly a renaissance man, <laughs> and I think you should check him out on all sorts of media formats, um, which I'll let you plug at the end of the show, Okay. <laughs> but we should uh, maybe get into our topic, unless we have any more things we want to talk about. Uh, not that I know of, um, <laughs> but so, except that it's Halloween. Apparently, we're doing a month of Halloween shit, yes, apparently. Yes, yes. I guess Welcome makes the skeleton Spook. pretty apropos. Yeah. Um, we're calling it Spook Check. We're not calling it that. (laughs) Michael, if you call it that one more time, you're fired. Okay. But anyway. I think uh, that's pretty reasonable. (laughs) What are we we talking about? So today, we're talking, we're we're going super micro-specific today on the genre. We're talking about horror punk. In fact, I don't think we we were this micro-specific on a genre uh, back, I think the last time we were this micro-specific on a music genre, it was, um... Back in the first season, well, the one I did with Elio, um, me, Elio, and Brent talked about New York hardcore. Yeah. Um, which was a fun episode. But now we're talking about another micro genre of punk, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, one that um, certainly is a thriving scene, but it's been, ever since it was kind of created, it's been a, a consistent stay, a consistent topic, consistent just lyric subject, I suppose, in, right. in the punk rock genre. Yeah. So, to fit with the season, we're talking about horror punk. Did you already say that? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I probably did. Who knows? This, 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 this intro is already kind of a disaster, I so we might as well continue. I love the Ben episodes, man. <laughs> You've my, done these one. These are my favorite. You know what? You've done and there, one. There will be many more. I'm I sure there get, will be. I want to get Ben on the King Giz episode, too, because it feels like every time... There's an episode that Ben's on. You know more about it than I do, and I want there to be an episode where I know more about the subject than you do. Although, ben but uh, that's not necessarily true because honestly, I'm not really as much as I know. As much as everyone calls me the punk rock guy, which I mean probably is accurate considering the, the vest I wear, yes. all the studs mm-hmm. and the patches. But here's the thing, and I was I briefly told you guys this before we started. I'm really not that familiar with the whole horror punk thing. Um, when, when I was first getting to punk music, I was very interested in, like, all the political stuff, you know, bad religion, the dead Kennedys, you know, minor threat. Right. The ones that had a lot of socio and political topics. Um, along with that, I was also never 
never I've never really been huge into horror movies. Like mm. older horror movies are just a little too campy for me, mm. and newer ones are just full of jump scares, and they're just more stressful to watch than any sort of enjoyment. Yeah. So the idea of horror punk never really was like interested in me. Of course, of course, I loved. The Misfits, and if I found like a more underground horror punk band, I wasn't like, no, I'm not listening to you because you're not singing about fucking, you know, fucking the government. You know, it's. I mean, if 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 I found one I liked, I'd listen to him. But it's just nothing, right. nothing I ever really sought out to listen to. Well, Ben told me right before the episode, kind of go in the opposite way that you actually had a phase of like really getting into Halloween music specifically, right? Yeah. Um, this was really kind of parallel to my garage music thing in the late 50s like mid late 50s kind of starting with I Put a Spell on You by Screaming Jay Hawkins there was just a glut of Halloween novelty music with that Mm -hmm. similar kind of sound Mm -hmm. and that kind of ran through and uh, culminated with the Monster Mash which had a ton more imitations after that but I'm super duper into Halloween music, there are tons of comps of that 50s and 60s stuff. I have probably probably three or four hundred Halloween songs hidden in my computer in some secret folder that I'm afraid someone's going to find and <laughs> judge me for. What, 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 that make it sound like it's full of porn here. No, it's not porn. It's <laughs> it's, it's more embarrassing. Don't <laughs> right. quick, someone well, quick, de- oh. delete my fucking horror music folder <laughs> when I die. Dude. I don't want anyone to know I was into 50s novelty music so right. much. But look, I well, you mentioned that screaming uh, Jay Hawkins stuff, which I instantly fell in love with because ben made us a, a playlist that yeah. kind of touches on the roots and the core of horror punk which i i really appreciated but that that early those early influence of screaming jay hawkins a blues singer obviously blues having all the influence on, on any form of rock and roll i listened to the one you put in there which was the song um what was oh i put a spell on you mm-hmm. and then i also Beyond that, I went and listened listened to Orange Colored uh, Sky. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it's called. Yeah. Then I also listened to, yeah, Moonberry Delight. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah, I can't Moon even Berry. read that's my... That's a Paul McCartney cover, actually. Moonberry oh. Moon Delight. So, well, there you yeah. go. It, I, I don't know. I just instantly fell in love with like, the energy that came out of that and then kind of touching on the roots of um, that spooky... Um, flair that you can put on instrumentation where it's kind yeah. of like stagnant notes and like kind of a lot of rap- reverb, too. A lot of reverb rapid of fluctuation reverb, and delay, pitch yeah. yeah and um and then you go even further to things like a um you know a theremin being used in music or a lot mm-hmm. of high-pitched synths and things mm-hmm. like that that eventually come in but uh go ahead and touch on some of those really uh influential beginnings of horror music in general yeah okay. i think if you were if you were gonna try to pinpoint the start of like horror punk screaming jays the perfect person because he didn't always sing about horror related stuff um but when he did that was those were his most popular songs mm-hmm. and also his stage show really heavily leaned into it like he had a skull on a stick yeah he was like a voodoo aesthetic yeah, and, right? and some people found that actually really like offensive that yeah. he was kind of leaning into sure. that uh, black stereotype, but he really, like, brought horror-themed performance to the forefront of rock and roll for the first time. 
and I've heard he was also kind of like as one of those like like you people can kind of point to him as being like maybe perhaps the original shock rock sure. you know, artist. You know, I've heard that before. I mean, if you want to go a little, little after that, you can also maybe go for. I know we briefly talked about him in our garage episode, but the crazy world of Arthur Brown, that mm-hmm. screaming Lord Such in between there too. Yeah, I mean you. I mean, a, a lot, a lot. I mean, especially because, especially when you go looking to the actual genre of horror punk, um, a lot of stage, you know, like presentation and you know costumes and whatnot tended to be a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. And there's also that early Halloween music you you put in Monster Mash by um, Zach, John Zachary, excuse me, and then you had Dinner with Drac. In there, which I both really liked. That, that's, that just kind of introduces that kind of funny, campy lyricism mm-hmm. that um, you know you're gonna get uh, coming back, especially in a lot of Misfits discography. I think. Um, but I, I like that song a lot. It had really cool guitar licks behind it, kind of clean, and then um, really a chaotic horn section, which I fell in love with too. Um, but then, when when did it start transitioning? I well. Going first, I think I feel like a lot of the horror music and Halloween music or anything you want to call it kind of coincides and aligns with other media at the time, mm-hmm. especially the movies and the TV shows that yeah. came out then. And you're, I feel like as time goes on and the movies start to get a little more realistic, a little more grisly, um, and a lot less campy and funny is when the music starts to actually transition into like bit. really kind of effed so. up themes. That's I. I mean, I'd say it's pretty fair, but I, what you see is kind of at, uh, like sixty three, sixty four. If you're looking at that time period, that's when you started to get stuff like, uh, uh, Carnival of the Dead and like um, Carnival of Souls, stuff like that, where horror began to go from big monsters and like stuff that could be taken just at face value into more psychological mm-hmm. stuff, and that's also when. That sort of horror music, like that John Zachary was making, and uh, Don Henson and the Rigamorticians were making, mm-hmm. and Bobby Boris Pickett, that stuff almost completely vanished. And if anyone was singing about monsters, it would be like a f- just handful of psychedelic bands. Just once in a while, it'd be like maybe a band comes out with one song that's yeah. horror related. But really, until the late seventies, was there was no more horror music. Right. And, and, you know, and jumping off, I mean, really, if you're looking at a lot of those, you know, 60s garage songs, I mean, they really, I mean, I mean, a lot of them really didn't, I mean, even as the decade went on, and you'd still, some of these songs still flash up every now and again, they really weren't, they were still pretty campy. Like, one of my favorite, you know, garage, 60s garage rock songs, I don't know if I mentioned it in our episode from last season was I'm Your Witch Doctor by the band Them. Mm-hmm. I re- think it's a really crazy, chaotic song. But, you know, it's still a song about a witch doctor, for God's sakes. You know, it's, it's, it, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of those 60 songs were just very rooted in campiness, I would think. Sure. Um, I mean, there were, now obviously there were bands, there were other bands at the time that kind of brought more realistic horrors to that, mm. like the Sonics and, um, if you will want to count, Alice Cooper in there, too. Mm. Yeah, um, I'd say early Alice Cooper. Yeah, early Alice Cooper. You know, they definitely brought those kind of themes uh, up into, I guess, not really a mainstream 
audience, but just you know, kind of more of a broader audience. Yeah. I, I guess you can count it there, but I think a lot of the that early stuff to me is kind of based in campiness as well. I had a revelation on the Sonics with the with this episode too. I was telling you guys beforehand where we talked about them in the '60s Garage episode, and at the time I didn't really like it because I think '60s lo-fi is because you can agree that those recordings are really low fidelity and mm-hmm. kind of yeah. thrown together kind of purposefully. Yeah, but I I wasn't a fan of that initially, and then after I went through an actual lo-fi phase throughout the summer, I came back to it. I, at the same time, I was also expecting that episode to be psychedelic music, which a lot of it wasn't, you know? So, And I came into this one expecting a more punk attitude and a more, you know, punk kind of side to the music. So I, I fell in love with the Sonics the, on my second go, which mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. I, I'll go back and listen to some more Sonics after this. But, like, um, you know, The Witch is one I listened to. You put um, Strike Nine in there, which the, mm-hmm. the Cramps covered later. And, yeah, the the Sonics were definitely an interesting component in the transition. Honestly, they might have been one of, like, you know, like I'm not saying, like, you know, in power, when I say, like, you know, power, like, power over the music industry, but just power is in delivery. There might have been one of, not the most powerful sounding bands of that decade. I mean, they were so forceful. They were so energetic. They just, they sounded insane. They sounded psycho, uh, uh, appropriately <laughs> enough, because they have a song called Psycho. <laughs> yeah. But, like, The Witch, you mentioned that one. Honestly, it's one of my favorite songs of that entire decade. Mm-hmm. It's just the crunch that song has, the fucking crazy, chaotic vocals that come in there, and just, you, you know, um, you know, with, 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 with songs like Psycho and maybe even The Witch to a degree, that's where some of that more realistic kind of horror comes from because they sound so insane, so crazy mm, compared right. to a lot of their other peers. I mean, yeah, I can definitely see why some people could take this as like a form of horror. Right, and you, when uh, that horror becomes really significant to me, uh, on the Sonic's second album, is it's kind of agreed that Boom is weaker than the first Sonic's record, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Boom has He's Waiting On It, which is one of the, like, yep. that's that's 1966. I love that's that one of the one. very mm-hmm. first mentions of, like, the devil. Yeah. As kind of a, I don't, I don't know if he's necessarily a positive force in huh. that song, but, like, just a, a depiction of the devil in popular music mm-hmm. that wasn't completely negative it was kind of more up to interpretation mm. i love i love how catchy that song is too like mm. even after i listened to that that song was still with, with me for like 15 minutes after i finished it mm. like i i just love the catchiness of that tune um talk about alice cooper a little bit more because alice cooper is so threatening to me not in his stage performance but in the vastness of his discography. I have no fucking clue where to start. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, th- this, do you mind if I start? Yeah, go for it. So, here's the thing. I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm a huge fan of Alice Cooper, but I really like me some Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, honestly, the stuff that he showed you is not a bad place to start. Because yeah. um, here's the thing. Alice Cooper, to me, is not in all ways sonically, but... In some aspects, it reminded me a lot of Aerosmith in the sense that Aerosmith was great in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But by the time the 80s came around, no. Yeah. Here's the thing, because by, by the time, like, especially when the mid-80s came around, Aerosmith had adopted a lot of those really cheesy, terrible production stylings of 80s hard rock. Mm-hmm. And that's the trap that Alice Cooper went in when he when it came to the 80s. So okay. really, just listen to the 70s. I, I, for you in particular, I would start with the early 70s. So I'll start with... Okay. Um, what, um, 
Love it to death. Lo- love it to death. Mm-hmm. Start with Killers. That's probably my yeah. favorite Cooper record. Uh, Sail of the Flies. I keep telling you to check out that song because it's really yeah, it's fucking good. Awesome. I, I really enjoyed the um, the ballad of, is it Dwight? Dwight Fry. Fry. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Uh, that was really good. And that hit me out of, like, out of thin air because I, I really expected, um, I think I, I went in with the 80s perspective, like being like, oh, he's Feed just my kinda... Frankenstein. Yeah, right, that right. Stuff's he, it's, garbage. It's like, it, it's just kind of a play off of the aesthetic of that time period, but I was pleasantly surprised with the couple songs that um, Ben threw on there for us. So, all right, I'm going to go back. I'd say, yeah, the first two... Alice Cooper records, you can kind of pick pieces out of them, but they aren't really worth your time. Love It to Death was one of my first favorite rock and roll records in general. It probably still is. Um, After that, yeah, the rest of the 70s is really good. I personally think that the early 80s, like, super coked out Alice Cooper, like, flush the fashion and stuff like that is really interesting, if not good. (laughs) Okay. So I'd suggest at least checking that out. Like yeah. I, like We're All Clones, I love that song. Mm-hmm. I have since I was a little kid, so maybe that's why I still mm-hmm. love it. Okay. But, you know, and even though, here's the thing with Alice, though. A lot of people, like, he, he's, like, I, I think some people might call him, like, if, if, if people wouldn't consider guys like, um, like, Arthur Brown or Screaming Jay as like actual shock rock artists, you know, they're just protogenitors of it. Mm-hmm. I think people would often consider Alice Cooper as the first shock rock artist for going by stage performances. Yeah. However, unfortunately, un- I mean, people usually may lump him with other bands like Kiss and Guar. It's like, oh, he's sort of the stage performances that are mm-hmm. that matter. I mean, by the time the 80s came around, yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair, but like, 70s, no, he's like, I think probably people forget, he was like a legit musician, and they made great music mm-hmm. during the 70s. I mean, again, the early stuff I think is great, because a lot of it's just kind of garage-based, too, when really, mm-hmm. really, like, dirty-sounding, in a good way. But um, but even, I even like kind of the more standard, standard in air quotes, you know, sounding 70s rock albums, like, of course, the classic Billion Dollar Babies, and Welcome to My Nightmare, and Goes to Hell, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think those are all really great records okay. to check out. But what, how this relates to horror punk, though, yeah. is I know um, I actually did do a little research. Well, was anyone inspired by Alice? And actually, funny enough, um, Doyle Wolfgang actually mm-hmm. said he cites Alice Cooper as an inspiration. And sure. I think a lot of those shock rock imageries and, you know, some of the topics he was thinking, like, he has a song called Bed Babies, for fuck's sakes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that shit obviously went on to, like, inspire the misfits Definitely. and whatnot. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to. I have a question. Do you think? Why do you think horror elements work so well with punk rock? I have a theory that it kind of comes back to the um, the outcast punk idea, identifying with the misunderstood monster themes. Perhaps uh, I don't know why that lyricism works so well in punk music, but maybe you have some other theories. I actually I have the perfect piece of evidence to corroborate that. If you okay. listen to. Um, I was a teenage werewolf by the cramps. That's yeah. kind of like the thesis statement on that idea, like just being completely uh, apart from society and no one really cares about your problems. Yeah. That's kind of what a lot of punk is. Like even if you go to political punk, like it's a lot of people, especially if you look at the political atmosphere of the 70s and 80s, just a lot of really upset young people screaming about <laughs> all of the issues that they saw in the world that no mm-hmm. one with any power actually paid attention to. Yeah. So I think that that otherness kind of is in all of punk rock and in horror punk it really 
rears its head. Yeah, and you, you mentioned you mentioned I was teenage werewolf. Forgot that I was we're teenagers from Mars by the Misfits. I mean, it's like mm. kind of the exact. The, Fuck for fuck's sake! The chorus goes, "We're teenagers from Mars, and we don't care." Yeah, you know, it, I, right. I, I never, I never thought of it that way. That's really interesting. But, um, but no, yeah, I, I think when you def, I think when you definitely look kind of like compare themselves to like old horror movie monsters, I think mm-hmm. that definitely is very apropos. So I, I let's get across <laughs> right away. What are your guys' favorite era in the Misfits discography? Uh, being the Glenn stuff. I mean, that's by far and away the best. You, part of you, you said to me once. Everything that comes after Glenn is not the Misfits. Um, I mean, in a sense. I mean, yeah, in a sense. I mean, here's the thing. I, I actually did revisit some of the Mark Grave stuff. And you know what? It's, it's okay. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's bad. It's okay. But here's the thing. I mean, it's kind of like when Miguel Biafra left the Dead Kennedys and the Dead Kennedys kind of reform after there. Oh, there wasn't really the Dead Kennedys. Mm-hmm. To me, as much as there's a lot of other great talent in the Misfits, Glenn made that band. He really did. And without his voice, whenever I'm hearing like, um, you know, Doyle singing or Grave singing, it just mm-hmm. like, it doesn't feel right, you know? Right. You know, it, 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 that's part of it. And also, maybe not with the Mark Grave stuff, but like sometimes, sometimes it just feels a little too goofy. Like, honestly, you never can really take the, even the Glenn Misfit stuff that seriously. But like, I just, I don't know. It's just like, there's just something lost about Glenn's voice. I mean, you've really made sold everything about what that band, you know, sang about, so. Definitely. Well, yeah, because when you think about, I mean, my my favorite is, like, super early, like, Static Age. That's my yeah. favorite Misfit stuff. When you think about Glenn in the band, and you think about something like, like, they had the campy horror stuff, but they also had, like, like stuff like Last Caress or Bullet, where they're singing about, like, rape and murder and, like really American nightmare. Yeah, like mm-hmm. frightening stuff. You couldn't you could never take it too seriously, but like Sometimes there was stuff that was too serious. Insane, almost. yeah. Okay. Well I, I contradict both of you by saying I actually my favorite era of the Misfits is like famous monsters. And I've I said this you. to <laughs> I know. I've said this to both of you before, but I can't I should have brought this up for the guilty pleasures episode. That would have been a great pick. Well well here's the thing. I wouldn't consider that much of a guilty pleasure because yeah. a lot of people do like those records. It, they're just it's just really tight songwriting yeah. is what really what it comes down to. And you can say there's something lost when you don't have Danzig's voice in there. But I th- I truly think they make up for it and just the wholeness of those albums that come afterwards, like, the, as a whole piece, they sound good. Whereas with Danzig, it feels like I can only pick out, like, three to five songs in the album that really do it for me. Whereas with Famous Monster, I like every single song off that. I mean, I guess. But, like, here's the thing. Famous Monsters, at least I will say the guitars sound good. The production actually sounds mm-hmm. decent with the instrumentation. No no Misfits records probably sound better than, like, the stuff with Market Graves. Mm-hmm. But... To me, they're it just, again without that voice, yeah. it just doesn't work for me. And and I re- and I actually kind of like the low fidel- more low fidelity stuff with mm, the Misfits because sure. I do think it just fits what they're singing about better. Yeah. You know, especially when you have like that really rough production on you know Chaos AD. Well, so that's not that's a Sepultura record. Uh, was it Earth AD? Is that what that yeah, was? Earth AD. I I get those two confused. Um, and, and and obviously with the early stuff that was supposed to be on Static Age, you know, I mean, you do you 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 get a lot of it sounds it really fits the kind of campiness and like the real true horror that they sang about. Right. I mean, I'm never gonna go 
beyond um, Famous Monsters for any of the Misfits. Yeah. Like, it's really just that album that I really fall in love with. But, yeah, I, I, I strongly support that probably the stronger era in the Misfits is the the low fidelity Danzig stuff, but I I cannot step away from that Michael Graves album. It it just it screams misfits to me. I don't know why, but it does. So Yeah, Glenn Danzig his I'd just like to bring this up because I have a place to bring it up. His voice is super deceptive. Like if you listen to something from that early Misfit stuff or you listen to something like like Mother mm-hmm. uh, when he went solo, like his voice is amazing, and it goes all over the place. He has a fantastic range, and you can't hear it at all. Like, it sounds like something you could sing when you listen to Glenn. But then you try. And, like, and then you try, and you're yes. like, I can't sing any of this at all. What's going on? Right. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's a trademark voice, like you guys are getting at. It's it, it's something you're never going to get, and or that's it's specific to the Misfits, and mm-hmm. it, it won't appear anywhere else unless you go to the solo stuff, which... I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of. Go fuck yourself. I, I, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, fuck you. Danzig's a great band. <laughs> like, Mother like, is one of the most like, important look. songs of the 80s, and I won't have any of your shit. Oh, like, my God. I okay. would agree with that. No, it shit. is. Because it actually, because you know you know what the song Mother's about, right? What's it about? It's it's, it's a, essentially a blast against the PMR, PMRC. It was oh, like, yeah? in musical censorship. I mean, Mother, I, when I first heard Mother, I thought it was a creepy pedophile song. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But, like, when actually when I heard it out, like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, touch. Crash <laughs> <laughs> just laughing at stuff. I thought I didn't think so, but then I was like, "Mother, wait, why don't you? Why mother? Why shouldn't this mother let this guy hang out with the, let the kids hang out with this guy?" Right. But no, actually, well, what he's really saying is like the mother is trying not to let their kids hear his music because, uh. um, you know, because they don't like what they want to hear. And right. the idea of mother is well. You want to keep. You can't keep kids in the dark for for life, as he says. Like they're eventually going to hear this stuff. They're eventually going to hear, you know, pores of the real world. Why are you trying to hide? Why are you trying to hide them from sure. them? And why are you trying to destroy my career? Why are you trying to prevent me from making the music that I want to? Yeah. So in that case, yeah, I think it is one of the most important songs of the eighties. I, l- I love Mother. I just where can I go from there? You know? I mean that that record's pretty good. I mean like I mean that th- there there are shakeups in there. Like that last covers album was terrible. <laughs> Let's be real here. Uh, so Most cr- are. Yeah. Hmm. But, I mean, I, I think he did kind of carry on that the whole horror ideal with, with, with this stuff. I had, like, a, uh, was it, what was the band he had after the Misfits? Um, was it Sam? Sam Hain? Yeah, Sam Hain. And eventually, the you know, this, this Danzig, the band, you know. Yeah. I think he carried on the horror themes afterwards, just yeah. not more of in a metal direction. Have you guys listened to Doyle stuff before? He's got his own thing going on now too. He's I, on I've tour. I think he's just he might I know he has original material, but I think the majority of this show is just playing misfit stuff. Mm-hmm. But if it works. But should we transition over to the cramps real quick? Because I think uh, well, you guys, uh, well here's well, I, I okay. before we go on, just yeah. one more thing. I mean like I'm I just can, curious, what are you guys' favorite misfit songs? I mean oh. like even though they have great albums, like like Walk Among Us is a great record and yeah. Earth 80 is also good. I wouldn't, it's not as strong as Walk Among Us. I mean, mm-hmm. in Static, their, their original debut, Static Age, wasn't released until like the right. mid 90s because of label shenanigans. So they're, they're, to me, they're always more of a song man than an album man. Yeah. yeah. So, what are some of your favorite Misfit songs? Okay. You want, I'm going to let Ben go first. All right. Um, I really like, I like other Misfits records, but I Static Age is my wheelhouse. So, like, mm-hmm. some kind of hate. Last Caress, yeah. uh, Teenagers from Mars, Angel Fuck, Attitude I Love. Like, 
especially if I had to pick my favorite favorite, it'd be some kind of hate, just because it's got that yeah. like, it you can hear what a lot of these bands were doing. Like if you look at Ramones or Misfits uh, or other bands like that, is they were taking fifties music and turning the distortion all the way up and turning the speed like twice or three times as fast than it should be. Mm-hmm. And that's what Some Kind of Hate is. It's like a really fast doo-wop song. And I love it so much. It's yeah. so mm-hmm. perfect in the message of it. And, mm, oh, man, it's just, it's fabulous. Nice. Um, well, like I said, I'm, I, I like the Famous Monsters album. So just to get the those ones out of the way, I love uh, Dust to Dust, Crawling Eye, Witch Hunt, Scream, uh, Die Monster Die, Scarecrow Man. Are you just and, listening off the whole album? No, no, and Descending Angel. I listen. There was like a month period where all I listened to is Descending Angel, just so edgy. But to appe- to appease you guys, I love Blood Feast off Blood of Feast AD. Is great. That is a fantastic song and probably triumphs everything over Famous Monsters. It's a good movie too. Oh yeah, just is kidding. No, it's a horrible movie. <laughs> Is that what it's based off of, though? Um, <laughs> God knows. Sometimes they would just take the titles of movies and write a song about it, or sometimes they just write about the movie. Okay. But yeah, Blood Feast has like those dramatic stops, like that come out of nowhere, and mm-hmm. it's like that's just such a jam. I love Blood Feast off Earth AD. That's 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 my pick out of all of them. I have name? really basic misfit favorite misfit songs. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm a huge fan of Hate Breeders. I think that song's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um. I was going to say Die, Die, My Darling, but I actually prefer the Metallica version. I know you and I have talked yeah. about this, Michael. <laughs> so I can't really say that because uh. I prefer that version. Um, uh, you know, Teenage, I mean, Where Eagles Dare and oh, Teenage Tomorrow, yeah. those are classics. Um, Attitude, even that's not really a horror punk song, but no, I love Attitude. Fabulous. Yeah. It's so good. Um, uh, Skulls is probably my number two pick. Yeah. I love Skulls. It's such it's probably might be his best vocal performance in that entire band's career. It's so good. But if I had to pick an an absolute favorite, it's gonna be We Are 138. I okay. fucking love that song to death. It's everything. The lyrics are weird in a good way. Just just the fucking chorus. I mean, the the, the hooks on that song are great. Mm-hmm. And just that was that ending where they're just shouting, hey, 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 hey. So I love everything about that song. It's mm-hmm. just everything you could want from the Misfits, really, into that one little minute and a half package. So Definitely. if I had to pick a favorite Misfits song, it'd be that one. Do you, think, do you think Misfits are like, is there a punk fan that exists that doesn't like the Misfits but likes everything else? Do you think that exists? I mean, if they really have a sick up their ass and they don't like <laughs> horror punk, I guess. Or if they don't like, if they're, if they shy away from group vocals, because that's what a lot of Misfits choruses are. Mm-hmm. They really go towards the group vocal, which it doesn't work with the Clash, and it really works with the Misfits. Like they, these are the best examples of like group vocals in any music. The best is bad religion. But anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. N- the next the next band I don't know much about. I, l- I had my first exposure to them this morning. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of same with me too. I, <laughs> I really didn't know much of their stuff before doing research for this so episode. Turn o- cramps. So turn it yeah, turn it over to the one wearing the cramps t shirt to, are, to are, introduce. They're one them. of your favorite bands. Probably even your favorite band, correct? Easily one of my favorite bands, yeah. I mean they fight with the clash for the top spot. Wow. And I think the clash only kind of take it because they had a. They were more consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cramps, 
got started in Ohio in 1975. Oh my God, something good from Ohio. I know, right? <laughs> well, also with Devo, yeah. Devo uh, too. They yeah. were the brainchild of uh, Eric Perkizer, aka Lux Interior, and whatever Poison Ivy's real name is. I mean, um, punk. I, I, I want to make this side point right now. Punk rock, easily without any competition, have the best stage names. <laughs> without any. I mean, Jella Biafra. Um, Johnny Rotten, Sid Vicious. I mean, yeah. talk, you can talk about them as musicians. Those are great stage names. Definitely. Joey Shithead from DOA. <laughs> I mean, Fat Mike. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat punk rock stage names. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Go ahead, continue. <laughs> uh, yeah, so in 1975, they started performing and practicing in like basements all over New York City. Mm-hmm. They had migrated from Ohio to New York City. You can hear some of those demos on a comp somewhere. Um, uh, they started playing at CBGB in 76 with a pretty disastrous opening performance where they had just changed their strings before they got on stage. So they were out of tune the entire time. Um, very, very influenced by mid and late 50s uh, exotica, rockabilly, and like just general bizarre music, like a lot of this Halloween novelty Didn't stuff. Hear or that. All over that. That was the thing. I was, I was expecting much more, not something attuned quite to the Misfits, but I was expecting here something very, you know, tuned to 80s punk. But what I got was more like like almost surf rock and 60s mm, garage yeah. with that rock. I hear that song. Link Ray rumble on uh, one of the songs. I heard it on, yeah, uh, I was a teenage werewolf. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, uh, Teenage Werewolf is pulled not directly from rumble, but directly from a. Uh, song called oh, there's some like instrumental song that was kind of written in the wake of that and a lot of cramp songs from that first record um the instrumentals are sometimes pulled completely wholesale from like 50s instrumental music Interesting. Um, but they were hugely influenced by like b-horror movies and bands that only released a single or two and they got signed um in 1977 and put out songs the lord taught us and then didn't really look back from there right that's the one i listened to this morning and i i personally really loved it um the ones you put in the playlist for me was uh i was a teenage werewolf and then sunglasses after dark both of which i loved i i heard elements of like noise in there too Mm -hmm. like a lot of noise elements which i you know i love that stuff um, you know, like we said, the '50s pop stuff, the um, yeah, and and then just also just the early essence of punk, and then um, I enjoyed their cover of "Strike Nine better than the Sonics one. Okay, yeah, and mm. um, the only one I didn't like on that album was probably "I'm Cramped," which is like I don't know, it just seemed painfully boring to me. But everything yeah. else I like. I'm cramped. I think. That's that's like the deluxe version of that record. I think I'm cramped is was like the one outtake from those sessions. Okay, um, and that's just kind of like a lot of if you look at '60s garage bands like something like the Green Fuzz, mm-hmm. which that the Cramps covered that on their next record. Uh, there were lots of bands who used their name in one of their songs, so I think that's kind of what they were going for there. I personally like it, but I personally kind of think that. Lux interior shit doesn't stink. So like, I I'm not a very good source for what cramp song is good and what one is bad. Okay. Uh, really, the only one, the only cramp song I really knew before this was the Mad Daddy, which I assumed was like, a sh- like their big hit. But like, 
like, I, but I didn't see it in even like the top ten of Spotify, so I don't know where I got that impression from. Mm. Hmm. But yeah, it's a really. I think that song's really good. It's fabulous. That's about um, some like radio DJ from somewhere in the Midwest who would do a ton of outrageous stunts, like jump from a parachute into like a thing of Jello or something. I don't know. He did something with a parachute at <laughs> <Okay>. some point. <laughs> Which makes sense because he. Um, what's the leasing his name? Lux Interior. Yeah, he sounds fucking insane on that song. Like, he's just a mad, a mad, a mad, mad. It's like, he just, he's just going insane on it. He does, he, he does a lot of the Gene Vincent, like, <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. that, he's, like, I was dumbfounded when I first heard the cramps because I had no idea how he was doing that. Right. Like, he just has immense, impressive control over his vocal cords and just super, super rockabilly influenced. And that kind of fades a little bit as the albums go on, but it never really goes away. For sure. Um, so for me and Andrew and everyone else that doesn't know The Cramps, can you kind of summarize their musical evolution for us? Okay, yeah. So The Cramps, their first two records, um, basically the same lineup. The guitarist changes, um, and that messes with their sound a little bit, but not really. It's uh, very rockabilly if you mix up rockabilly and like 60s garage and mm -hmm. kind of what was happening in the punk scene at that time in a blender um and it's usually horror influenced almost entirely horror and like novelty rock influenced for that first record the second one gets a little darker um and there are a few more covers on it but it's essentially the same sound then they uh they run irs records yeah. and they kind Ooh. of got fucked over by that um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, R.E.M. probably also count yeah, that, too. I think they didn't release something again until, like, 1985 when they released uh, their Live at the Peppermint Lounge uh, EP, which has primarily covers but a few songs that they had written that never got committed to wax in the studio. Yeah. Um, and it also has the song Surf and Dead, which was featured in the 1985 movie Return of the Living Dead. Um that's kind of where you see the transition from primarily horror inspired to sexploitation inspired and after that the cramps became a very like sexual band like if you look at the record that followed that like a date with all this mm -hmm. i believe was the record that came out after that there's there are songs like uh how far can too far go and yeah. uh what's inside a girl stuff like that where can your pussy do the dog that's yeah can your pussy do the dog uh, chicken is all about sex as well. Like, they, I mean, the the core of this band was Lux and Ivy, and they were a couple, and they were not shy about showing it on stage. Mm. Um, so sex was kind of the direction that this band was always meant to go. And you mentioned they had an influence on uh, another artist, right? Yeah. Because uh, we had the St. Vincent episode, mm -hmm. and you were asking, because I told you, like Ben told me, that the Cramps had influence on a Saint and on Mass Seduction, mm -hmm. yeah. and that comes from which album was it? Yeah, if you look at the cover of Mass Seduction, um, the cover of Mass Seduction is a nod. I am almost positive to uh, the Cramps' single artwork from the date for Elvis period, uh, or date with Elvis period, because there are a there's a photo session that Ivy did in a like tiger bodysuit that looks super similar to what mm -hmm. St. Vincent is wearing on the Mass Seduction mm -hmm. cover. Um, which, which single was this? Uh, just look up uh, Can Your Pussy Do the Dog? <laughs> 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 Can Your Pussy Do the Dog? 
because that's oh, then you'll I, see those. Why am I not doing this in incognito mode? I'm gonna <laughs> fuck over my search. <laughs> you'll I'm just gonna it. search Kenya Pussy because fuck it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can. Uh, there it is. I can kind of see it. Yeah, no, I can kind of see this. There's I'm gonna a take specific, this off my laptop screen now. <laughs> there's a specific picture where she is like. It's like the same exact pose that St. Vincent does on that mass seduction yeah. record. All right. So. Glad we can go full circle on that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay. So towards the end of the career, they're getting sexual. Are they still making music? Uh, they were up until 2003 was their last record. Yeah, and Fiends Lux, of Island. Lux died uh, that mm. year. And then Nick Knox died um, last year. I dedicated my EP to him. Because he had died like a week or two before I put that out, mm. um, but yeah, he he was their drummer for most of that uh, period up until like the '90s when he started going blind in one eye, and then he kind of gave up drumming. But he's super steady, super simple drummer, kind of Meg White esque if like Meg White was better. <laughs> Although I don't like how how many people shit on Meg White. I don't she's think not it's bad. No. She's, it works with what the White Stripes is yeah. going for. I'll say that all the time. But um, but that's cool. I'm is is uh, Poison Ivy still doing stuff? Poison Ivy, uh, after the cramps ended, she's she basically went into the shadows. Like her and Lux had been together since the late '60s, early '70s. Wow. So when he passed, it kind of did a number on her. And I've I've heard in various like cramps discussion boards and stuff like that from her sister that she's like doing fine and just very very much into like mysticism spiritualism like it, she was always heading that direction uh and i think she's descended into that almost entirely no one really knows where she is or what she's doing mm-hmm. no more music though well now that you kind well, of see depressing yeah. <laughs> away, but, but i mean now that you can kind of see that this uh, the golden age i guess of um of horror punk kind of passes by how does it continue as the days go on um with with other bands I mean if you're looking at horror punk specifically like bands who are going for what the cramps were there were lots of bands that came out around that time and so many of them are really shitty <laughs> like they would make maybe a good song or two and then kind of disappear mm-hmm. because like psychobilly kind of came out of what the cramps did mm-hmm. um and most of those psychobilly bands Elvis Hitler yeah like like they'd have a song that was passable and then they'd cover a bunch of shit for like a record uh, or two and then they'd go away honestly psychobilly to me is like probably maybe the worst like subgenre of punk like I can't think of like hmm. like if you want to count pop punk as one which I don't then maybe that but like right, yeah. I can't except for me like Okay, no, actually, I scratched that. Races oi punk is probably the yeah, worst well, yeah. subgenre, but you know, second to that would be um, psychobilly because it's just too ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's it's such a small subgenre that it's literally just it should just be called the cramps because the cramps to me were making that sound, and then that like Lux Interior coined the term psychobilly. Mm-hmm. He never considered the cramps that, but he kind of gave birth to this entire genre and all they really are to me are just like shitty cramps cover bands yeah that usually don't cover cramp songs and cover like even worse things so honestly as a wholesale genre i think that psychobilly is atrocious <laughs> but the cramps are 
easily my top one of my top two favorite bands. And and you know, to me with horror punk, from what little knowledge I know, I mean, here's the thing with horror punk. Um, any punk band is probably technically able to be a horror punk band if they choose to. Because really, they just have to change what they're singing about. Horror punk, I mean, it is one of those music genres that I'm not, like, a huge fan of in the sense that, like, I mean, I like the music that's in it, but I don't like how it classifies bands. Because it's just a, it's just a lyrical. It's just based on it's lyrics, which is what they sing yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, if they maybe if they do a lot of face paint and then they have twinges of, like, <clears> you know, 60s garage rock and 50s rock and roll, and then just think about, you know, guts and sleeping with dead women, you know, like, I, I guess that's... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I Like I said towards the, before we started, like, I feel like there's this point in every punk band's career where they reach a fork in the road and they decide, where do we want to go from here? Do we want to be political? Do we want to be horror? Do we want to be kind of like a political party almost? You know, and they have to decide where they want to go. And the people who go down the horror punk Road are the worst bands. <laughs> well, not always. Just, I mean, may, maybe psychobilly for sure. Like, you know, from 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 doing the the limited amount of research I did, you know, th- there are some fun bands in there. Um, fun is the operative word for this genre. I mean, it really is. I mean, you can't take this shit seriously. Um, uh, Blitzkid, I actually kind of enjoy them. I mean, it might be Necrophiliacs, just based on their most popular uh. songs, but you know, we we will we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt that he's just like singing about you know. Yeah, pretty you know songs like "Pretty in a Casket" and "Love Like Blood." I mean, we will, I won't make assumptions, but there, but the music is really low fidelity, mm-hmm. like almost to like kind of the point of early misfits. But I thought they were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Plan Nine, um, they're actually pr- now. Here's the thing with Plan Nine, which I didn't really know them very well. Apparently, they started out as a misfits tribute band. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you can hear that in the guy's voice. It sounds almost. He's, he's, he's kind of a poor man to land in, but he sounds very similar. And here's the thing, though. That, like, I actually, this is, like, almost, like, how ideally, like, the Mark Grave stuff would, would sound to me of the Misfits because they're very heavy guitars, and they're pretty well-produced, yeah. well-produced enough. And the guy sounds enough like Glenn Danzig. It's like, oh, this sounds like if Glenn started recording with the Misfits in, like, the late 90s. So. Yeah. Um, I actually, so I actually kind of, like, oh, that was, like, a cool band that I discovered during that time. Mm-hmm. Um... Ball, I, 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 this is I just say ball sack. Ball sack. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what it's. Yeah. They're they're like a Japanese horror punk band, and they're they're all right that's too. Cool. Ball, yeah, the, I know ball sack was like a like a philosopher, like a philosopher, some sort of author like that. I assume that's what they're referencing. It's it's ball sack. That's the name of the band. It's with uh, a Z, but it's but, ball but sack. I, but I I think they kind of went the route of more like serious horror than like the campy stuff too. Right. Hmm. Um, so those are some, I mean, I'm sure there's other ones. Like, here's the thing. Don't, don't take this episode as a comprehensive look at the genre. Just, mm-hmm. we're just kind of talking about ghoulish whole punk stuff. But, I mean, those are just some of the bands that I kind of took as, like, being actually horror punk. And that, um, you know, I mean, those are some of the flag bearers that came after the band. And, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, they're fine. I mean, there are good horror punk bands out there, for sure. Mm-hmm. Just have to look. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd say if there's one other horror punk group that's really significant to me that would be uh, the mummies and they were a part of like that that early 90s garage revival they're easily my favorite band of that time period um they all uh dressed in like they, they dressed up like mummies like toilet paper um, mummies yeah and they had like a combo organ and they drove around in a old like 
Ford ambulance that had their name on the side. It looked like a big white hearse, basically. <laughs> um, they're, they were the goofiest band of, one of the goofiest bands of that renaissance. They were one of the drunkest bands of that renaissance. <laughs> uh, super high energy, super unafraid of missing notes and chords and entire songs. Um, like any live performance you can find of the Mummies is fantastic. All their records are really, really good and also sound like complete ass and you can't hear the bass at all. Uh, it's They were a fabulous campy band and they were really, I think, the only band that took the Cramps formula and kind of ran with it and went in a completely different direction. Um, I would recommend literally everything they ever did. And I'd also like to bring up The Mummies because there's a, like, funk soul collective called Here Comes the Mummies. Mm -hmm. They suck, and they literally just took the mummies shtick. Like, they all dress up like mummies, and if you search for the mummies online, you'll probably find them first. The mummies aren't on streaming anywhere because they hated CDs, so they definitely hate streaming. Like, yeah. you can find their stuff on vinyl for super expensive, or you can go find it for a free download on some, like, blog spot page that went defunct three years ago. Yeah. Which is how I, I think I have their whole discography now, just by have, finding. Not to share that with me, because the little clips I did see of them today, they are freaking ridiculous, but in a fun mm -hmm. way. So definitely share those with me. Yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, you can. You cannot purchase their music anywhere, so I'll send it to you. I don't. I don't have any piracy. Yeah, we do not endorse it. I don't have. But any, do it if you have to. <laughs> I don't have any yeah, further. Yeah, probably pirate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any further punk Just go bands find the mummies. To, uh... <laughs> Want to do recommendations? Uh, no. Uh, there, I think there are a couple more things to like to talk about. Okay. If we're going back to the 80s, something else that, you know, mm. especially like on Wikipedia, something else I kind of, you know, remember, you know, th there were a couple other genres similar to it, like death rock or goth rock. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, to you, what, what, what's the difference between those kind of bands and, like, the stuff you'd find with the Misfits? Okay. Um... I think that the thing about this genre is that we've really touched on it already. Like, no one ever took themselves that seriously. Like, the Misfits can be scary, but they were never completely, like... You'd never be terrified listening right, to Right, yeah, they were never going all out. You could never really believe it. But when you look at those other genres that seem kind of similar, a lot of those artists really were taking themselves pretty seriously, at least when it came to the music, if not the live performance. So I'd say that's the big difference. Um, and then to me, probably the band that brought the idea of goth rock to the mainstream the most would be The Damned, mm -hmm. um, who obviously, of course, English punk rock legends. They started out as a very straightforward punk band, yeah. um, especially with their debut record. Here's the thing, though. like I know some people will throw them into the whole horror punk thing sometimes, and I don't think that's very apropos because all their actual punk albums, no, there's nothing really horror about any of them. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, you listened to some of the, the, the early to mid-80s damn stuff, correct, Michael? I did, yes. And it, it, at first they kind of, like, starting with 1980s, the, the Black Album, and yeah. then moving forward into, um, I never know how to pronounce this. You were definitely right when you told me this is not the place to start with the damn. No, uh, fa fa Phantasmagoria. Phantasmagoria. The fuck ever. I mean, here's the thing, because the early damn stuff with the Black Album and Strawberries, I actually really, really like those albums. Mm. They, they're essentially new wave records. They are. They're new wave, and I hate it. <laughs> what? I, Go yeah. away! The Black no, no, Album no. Is I amazing. like new wave, but those records, I, I just didn't like it. You, when gotta, I, you have to, like, 
just sit down and listen when, to the when, you album. you texted me saying neat 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 is not horror punk uh you know listen to the horror punk stuff i was listening to that to get to refresh my mind yeah i was i figured but like i just wanted to make sure you knew that but yeah, yeah no but but here's the thing um the black album you could argue is kind of punk but it's essentially new wave record and strawberries too i mean they they, they I, I guess people will consider them horror punk because they started as a punk band, and then mm-hmm. shortly after they kind of stopped being really a punk band. Mm-hmm. Then that's when they kind of started doing all these weird kind of you know like you know Stranger on the Town, which is a great song, apart from the cowbells at the start. Um, mm-hmm. I hate cowbells. Uh, is more of a song about a serial killer, and right. you know, and then you and. By the time you got to Phantasmorgia, they were just a straight-up goth rock band, you know, covering Eloise and Street of Dreams and, you know, and grimly fiendish. I mean, and David Fanning was kind of portraying himself as a vampire now on stage. Right, yeah, and that, that started pretty early, too. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. I, I love... The Damned are one of my favorite punk bands, one of my favorite bands, and I really like the early punk stuff. I, I like the new way stuff, um, but by the time you got to Fantasmorgia, essentially they were just like they're essentially a goth version of the Cure, and it they're easily better than the Cure because fuck the Cure, but you know I I can't I it's just no the, listen to the early just really all you got to do is listen to the damned damn's debut up until um, uh. Um, strawberries and then mm-hmm. their last record. That's all you need from the damned. Mm-hmm. You can pick and choose from the rest of their discography. Would you like to make any other comments about the damn Michael? Uh, no, other than uh, I didn't really like the new wave stuff, but I, I'll go back and I only listen to a few songs. So yeah, it's like, so I can't really, really just listen to the black album. There ain't no sanity clause. Okay. <laughs> yes. You know what? That's a great song. Huh, let me go back in my notes because I think there was one song that I really liked from that era of the dance it was Thrill Kill mm-hmm. that one I liked and Obscene um, those ones were off of uh, Grave Disorder and then that, from from the, the well, Black that, that Album that was, that was their album from like 2001 yeah that was way past all okay. like, the um, but the, from the, the Black stuff. Album I, I, I hated both the ones you put in there, the Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, and then the Dr. other Dr. Jekyll's one. fine, but, like, I really, really liked... But I really liked Twisted Nerve. That one was pretty Twisted good. Twisted Nerve? Yeah. I, was, I didn't put that in there. No, that one I set, sought out by myself. Okay. Well, I really like Wait for the Blackout, and History of the World is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, um... For me, again, for me, Stranger on the Town's probably... The, uh, no, like, if I had to pick a favorite song from this, it'd be Ignite, because that's, like, their most punk song off of Strawberries, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, really love, really love Stranger on the Town. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, just, just such great, really, just grim lyrics. Mm-hmm. Just with this really happy, peppy sounding song. Right, I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the, I, I, I like the Dams more experimental stuff going afterwards. But like, honestly, um, I, th- I think they're honestly makes them one of the better new wave bands at the time. But uh, yeah, definitely don't start there. Start with their punk stuff. Start with Machine Gun Etiquette, and then. If you're feeling adventurous, then go forward into the Black Album Strawberries. I really like this record. I'll get off the damn now. Um, we'll do a damned episode in the future. We'll, we'll have to. Yeah. But definitely listen to Strawberries and Black Album all the way through. When all you get right. a chance, Michael. I think I think they're really good. All right. But after you listen to Machine Gun Etiquette, okay. you have to listen to that one first. Of course. And uh, the only other one I'm going to mention here is the Lillingtons, because I'm not going to have any other chance to ever mention these guys again on an episode. Um, they're probably one of the best punk bands from, like, the late 90s. Um, they're really, really strong. They, they're they not really horror punk. 
be, but I, I kind of remembered them last night because they're just saying a lot about camp shit. Like, if you really yeah. like the B-movie, campy side of horror punk, you really like these guys. They mainly sing about aliens and Russian spies. Cool. They're just fun. They're too simple at times, but they're just got hooks for days. Yeah. And they're just really good. So. I Well, I can just hear, like, especially with the hooks, like you mentioned, I can definitely see some bad religion in there too so i i, 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 mean, with, I with the hooks, with the i do melodies, with the hooks yeah. i was wrong to assume with the um the vocal color yeah. but the uh but yeah the hooks very bad religion i can see why you like it but with that any final thoughts boys just cause boys yeah i'm very tired today <laughs> uh i mean do you have any other bands you want to mention Oh, just try and try and listen to the mummies. Try and try and listen to the mummies. <laughs> it's a it's more of a challenge that he's kind of is. <laughs> I mean, really seeking them out is the challenge. Yeah, and so. there are a few fantastic. There's one really good, uh, like public access TV live video. There's one really good audience <laughs> shot live video when they were opening for, I think like the, I don't even know who they were opening for. Uh, some other band that was on Estrus Records, but if you can find them in the wild, go for it. I have one uh, 45 that's not even Mummies. It's just like Trent Ruane, their lead singer, plays keyboards on it. Uh, it's the sophisticated international Playboys. Um, but like, if you can find them somewhere, buy it immediately. But you probably just have to look on YouTube. Okay. Anything else you want to mention, Michael? Uh, all I'll say is uh, horror punk as a idea looking at it at, from a music fan's perspective is just interesting mm -hmm. to look at and to see how and why so many punk bands that could have gone any which way decided to go that route and it's just interesting to look at and I think we did a good job of it on this episode and I think it'll make a great little Halloween treat for our viewers and with that we I think at least at least a couple of us here have a couple Halloween treats to recommend for Absolutely. all of you listeners yeah. so Whoever wants to start, go right ahead. Um, I cannot find anything Halloween-y. Okay, well then, go, well then, fine, go ahead, Michael, it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah, to be. We'll, we'll get mine out of the way first, because it doesn't follow the theme. But, um, I have a album by a band called, uh, Sparkle Horse, which I know. <laughs> That's I the least horror-sounding thing I've ever heard. I know, right? But, uh, have you ever heard of this band? Before Ben, no, okay, it, it, the, it's it's mainly one guy's project um, that kind of had a career similar to like Jay Retard, almost very short lived okay. but very memorable, uh -huh. um, indie music oh. and just hard rock music. Um, but I'm gonna actually recommend his collaboration album that he did with uh, Danger Mouse, uh, that has so many big name artists appearing on this album. You have the Flaming Lips, Julian Casablancas, Iggy Pop. Uh, Black Francis, um, David Lynch, um, yeah, <laughs> and, and and just many more. And and there's um, definitely listen to the Julian Casablanca's song um, called "Little Girl," which is really good. Um, is, is that is that is that an Oingo Boingo cover? Because they have a song called "Little Girl." I don't think so. No, Oingo these Boingo are all original cover. <laughs> you know what? I really like Oingo Boingo. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say much more on that mainly because I uh, I uh, I didn't come prepared for recommendations on this one. I wish yeah. I could have gotten you uh, a Halloweeny oh, one, but Michael, they don't always need to be related to the episode. Yeah, 
It so it, it's it's a, it's a nice. No one wants to listen to horror music after this episode. <laughs> that they have Sparkle Horse to check out. Absolutely. There you go. So now uh, go on with your guys. Okay. Um, I'm going back to the late '50s, early '60s. Uh, so John Zarkley, we touched on him for a second because his song "Dinner with Drac" uh, was on here. Um, that ki- that single kind of like hit the charts in a big way when mm-hmm. it came out. Um, but he has a compilation called uh, of his two, his first two records, Monster Mash and Scary Tales. It's the guy who wrote Monster Mash. No, the guy who wrote Monster Mash is Bobby Boris Pickett. It has a an obligatory cover of Monster Mash on it, probably because the label made him do it. But it has a lot of really great. Zachary was a uh, he was a horror host in the like New England area. And this is gonna go on a giant tangent, so I'm gonna try to make it really quick. What a horror host was it was someone like Elvira, who would introduce horror movies. Uh, they were men and women. They dressed up like goofballs. They were all over the place at like every little tiny TV okay. station. Um, but he was huge uh, in his district, and um, he released a few albums of novelty Halloween music, and they're fantastic. They're not scary; like they could work for kids. They probably are made to work for kids, especially uh, Scary Tales. But that first record, it has some really, really good sounding music. Uh, if you like that 50s novelty sound and have, want more songs that sound like Monster Mash, so you don't just have to listen to that and like the Ghostbusters theme song over and over again. Um, so I'd recommend it for like a Halloween party or something like that. Although I don't know how many people would actually enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Really selling it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I've made worse pitches on these recommendations before, so it's fine. Um, so for me, I'm actually gonna recommend a horror punk band, um, specifically a Michigan, a local Michigan horror punk band. I like it. These 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 guys are from Grand Rapids, and they're called Murder Party. You have to say it like that because they have an exclamation point. Right, right. right. So the only way you can say it is Murder Party. Um, they're there's a bunch of fun, really. I mean, they they, they kind of got mixes of the campy and silly. So they got camps of like silly and campy, as well as kind of the more serious horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not like super musically gifted or anything. Um, I mean, they're all kind of like okay. I'm I'm doing a great job selling this band. They're all yeah. kind of like oh, like just okay, like at the all like the music at, musical aspects of it. But their songwriting again is fun enough to where like. Again, I really, really, really like. I think these guys are a bunch of fun. They're honestly one of my favorite local Michigan groups. Um, known about them for quite a while. I don't know if they're still making music though. Their last, um, their last EP wasn't um, was back in a uh, back in um, 2016. But granted, there was like a couple years apart from EPs that may just be really shit at just keeping up releasing music. But um, I think they're a lot of fun. Their first EP is especially good. It's really like it, the production isn't amazing, but. Um, they're, uh, I, f- I first heard about them because they had a song on, a, on like, a local compila- punk compilation here called Bars and Battle Scars, Volume 1. There is yet to be a Volume 2. <laughs> but um, uh, it was released by East Grand uh, R- Record Company. I, I, I forget the full name of that record company. But um, no, East Grand Recording Company, thank you. It's probably a, re- um, a reference to Grand River Avenue, right. which is a huge road over here in Michigan. Uh, in case of anyone's listening from out of the state, no but um, the song I- "I'll Kill," I- "I'll Kill," "I'll Swear" was the last song in that compilation. It was honestly my favorite song on that like twenty-something song compilation. Like, whoa, what is this band? So I, I look into them more, and <coughs> yeah, it's just a bunch of just silly, um, 
horror punk songs. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll Kill, I'll Swear is actually kind of a series of stories about, like, a couple, and the guy keeps, like, getting into worse and worse situations where he, like, kills someone, he robs <laughs> a bank, and then he eventually gets stabbed to death. Yeah. And then apparently she, I assume she's going to get revenge after it. I don't know. All good, um, all good things. But then you also have the song called Motorcycle, which is just one of the fucking greatest is songs a, ever. A Bob Dylan cover? Um, I, I, I hardly doubt it. It's, it's um, unless Bob Dylan ever sang about space aliens coming no, down on a motorcycle. <laughs> Co- coming, yeah, no. Um, it's essentially, yeah, it's a dude, it's like this monster serial killer comes from outer space on a motorcycle and starts, like, killing everyone on Earth. It's, it's, it's a really, it's a really fun band, really kind of goofy, but uh, I, I highly recommend go check them out. I really like them. I have a Halloween trick for you. I do have a uh, Halloween theme recommendation. Oh, okay. I just go found right it. Um, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but go listen to Sonic Youth's first record, Bad Moon Rising. It's literally Halloween themed. Yeah. Um, you have you have uh, songs like Ghost Bitch, I'm Insane, <laughs> Satan is Boring, and Halloween. This is pro- <laughs> this is really proto Sonic Youth. This is like their first stuff. This is before it gets really like really good but there's so many songs off this album that i really like um the song society as a whole and uh halloween are both classics do, do they cover bad and rising by ccr unfortunately why are you gonna ha- call your album that if you're not gonna cover that song okay but that's my halloween recommendation for you so there you go i tricked you and i treated you <laughs> there you go Jesus. So, speaking of Bad Moon Rising, uh, there's this, <laughs> there's a there's a cover of Bad Moon Rising by the '80s metal band uh, Leatherwolf. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's amazing. You have is it, to is, is it, Aren't they a power metal band? Yeah, they're power metal. I uh, feel like I know them. Of course, you know them. <laughs> I power metal is where my heart lay when it there comes to metal go. music. Uh. Well, Andrew sorry. loves power. Here's the thing: it's like, like, like power metal to me, and I think I told Michael this. I made a realization that power metal is almost like pop music to me in the sense, like a lot of people listen to like standard pop music to like make them like to uplift them, make them feel good. So me, that's just power. That's what power metal does for me because it's just yeah. like so like all the songs just sound so triumphant and just so yeah. grand and huge. So yeah, that's why I like it. So that's fair. I don't even know if it's on Spotify. Oh yeah, no, is. right there. There it is. Oh, well, I will. I will take a listen to it after we're done. Oh my god, we're geez. done now. We gotta end this, this episode. Yeah, we're, we're, I think we're this done. might be the longest episode. Oh, I, oh, I have heard of this band. Yeah, they're not very good. Anyways, um, <laughs> we're we're done here. Except I think we do have one more Halloween episode coming up this month. Oh, yeah. Or at least Dude. one kind of related to it. Uh, I think we're going to do something metal-related. Yeah. Something tangentially associated with Ozzy Osbourne. Let's, let's leave it there, though. Let's leave it mysterious. Because we're not quite sure it's going to be yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. um, at that point, we will leave it there. Night, Detroit.